Good morning, beloved Cornerstone Church family. I'm Pastor Bill, and it's my privilege to introduce to us today our next series of messages at Cornerstone. You know, very often Easter celebrations of the resurrection are so glorious and so magnificent that pastors worry about the next week there's going to be surely be an emotional letdown. But that's not how Easter seemed to play out for many of us this year. For many of us, our Easter celebration of the resurrection barely, barely lifted us from the weariness and the messiness and the pain and the ache in our hearts and in our culture. At, in the era of COVID and police brutality and systemic racism and anti-Asian hate crimes. So I want to begin this message acknowledging the reality of where we are. It's not a fun place right now to acknowledge, but it is real. If you're one of those people who are doing really well emotionally and relationally and spiritually, then praise God and pray for your brothers and sisters who are struggling. So as we begin the message this morning, I'd like you to think of a word or a phrase that accurately describes how you're doing right now in, in your emotional life and your relational life and your spiritual life. I don't want you to be mean to yourselves, but be honest with yourselves. I'd like to, you to listen to your heart for just a moment. Listen for what your heart wants to say to you about how you're doing. So I'm going to pause here for about 20 seconds and let you pick your word or phrase. So do that now. I actually encourage you to write down on a piece of paper or in your phone, write down right now, what is your word or your phrase? Because we're going to come back to it at the end of the message. And so that we get a collective sense, um, if you want to, you can type in the chat right now, what's the word that you chose or the phrase that describes how you're doing um, in the reality of your life right now. And you can type it in right now. You can type it in as I continue um, talking. And don't do it if you don't want to, but if you would like to share with the rest of us where you are. I've been checking with a lot of people over these last few weeks, a lot of people at Cornerstone with how you are really doing. And I've heard words like weariness, anger, numbness, emotionally disconnected, on edge, fearful, isolated, waves of guilt that I'm not doing something, dark, maybe hopeful, grieving, protective, pissed, mixed, checked out, guarded, 2020 and 2021 have taken a toll on us. 
So this last Tuesday, our daughter Sarah um, sent us this picture. This is our 15-month-old Ellie's teddy bear. She's our youngest grandchild. And Sarah texted, Pandemic baby things, putting a mask on her teddy bear. This is our reality now. And then Sarah continued, Ellie doesn't understand the reasons why. It's hard to explain to her when she needs to wear a mask because she doesn't remember ever going out in a public place. She's too young. She's putting on her mask because we're trying to teach her to wear a mask. But this is a normal thing to put masks on her stuffed animals. All she knows is seeing mom and dad coming home or back into our car with a mask on. It almost moves me to tears, that phrase. This is our reality now. Brothers and sisters, we've been through so much this year that's been confusing and disorienting, layered with the collective traumas of COVID and police brutality against people of color, systemic racism, and the thing that is affecting so many of us now at Cornerstone, the anti-Asian hate crimes that strike so deeply at our identity. And then that also, along with other people of color, trigger centuries of oppression and racism and white supremacy. Bottom line, our lives and our culture are painfully racialized, sexualized, fetishized, politicized, commercialized, radicalized and traumatized. This is our reality now. There are lots of things that we can do to try to cope with this reality, but most of the things that will help us cope won't solve the true problem. More laws about hate crimes will not solve the problem of hate. We don't want more people in jail for hate crimes. We want fewer people to hate. Defunding the police could probably help, but it won't solve the problem because we don't want more police in jail for police brutality. We want there to not be police brutality. More demonstrations will not solve the problem. More politics and better voting laws and different politicians won't solve the root of this problem. Therapy, which is probably really important for many, if not most of us, still won't solve the root problem. Self-defense skills, situational awareness, and pepper spray isn't going to solve the problem of attacks against the vulnerable. Community development won't solve it. Giving and spending more money won't solve it. Reparations won't solve this. Vaccines won't solve the root of the problem that we face. Please get vaccinated, but don't hope that once we've all been vaccinated, the root problem 
is solved because it won't be. And more church services won't solve it. All of these things, important and useful in their right place, but the fundamental problem we're facing right now in our lives and in our culture is too massive to be solved by human means. No wonder we're overwhelmed because the fundamental problem we are staring at right now is our fundamental broken humanity. We are broken. Everyone around us is broken. And broken people create broken, broken systems of racism and broken systems of politics and immigration and mass incarceration and privilege and greed. Our fundamental problem is a broken humanity. The issues and problems facing us in our own souls and in our culture emerge out of that desperate, broken humanity. And we can address the systems with activism and money and strategies and laws. I just think that part of the reason for a deep-seated pain in many of us is that this year has forced us to unavoidably stare in the face how broken is the human race, us and our culture and world. This profound a problem is not able to be solved from, from our own power. This profound a problem needs a solution from a completely different level. This is a brokenness that is beyond us. None of us can, by learning more or doing more, can come up with solutions to the problem of broken humanity. We need help from another dimension to courageously and boldly address the problems of our broken humanity. We need help from God. And right now, I sense that that help that we most need from God is a renewed filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. What we most desperately need right now to face the problem all around us of our broken humanity is a renewed filling of the Holy Spirit. So for the next eight weeks here at Cornerstone, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit First four weeks, we're going to explore how the Spirit works within us. And then in the second four weeks, we're going to explore how the Spirit works through us. And every message, just remember, every message in this series is based on the conviction that what we desperately need right now is a filling of the Holy Spirit because the problem we, that has to be resolved is too big for us to solve on our own, even with our best ideas and our best people. Because the reality we face right now is that our lives and our world are racialized, sexualized, fetishized, politicized, commercialized, and traumatized. We desperately need the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit can be one of the, perhaps for many Christians, the Holy Spirit is the, the most 
puzzling member of the Trinity. Sometimes theologians call the Holy Spirit the shy member of the Trinity. I've told you other times before how much I love in the scriptures, listening to the inter-Trinitarian dialogue, how the Father talks to the Son and about the Son, how the Father talks about the Spirit, how Jesus talks to the Father, how Jesus talks about the Spirit, how the Spirit points to the Father and the Son. I just love the that picture of the Trinity is this perfect picture of mutuality and individuality in a context of honor and unity. And the reason that some theologians call the Holy Spirit the shy member of the, the Trinity is because the Holy Spirit seems to never want to draw attention to itself. The Holy Spirit's constantly taking and, and, and getting from God and giving to us, but he always points out that this is from God. And even when the Spirit is talking about Jesus, he's always deferring and pointing to Jesus, even as the Spirit is doing the work that he is called to do as his part of the Trinity. So it's a foundational truth of Christianity that when we confess our sins and ask Jesus to become the leader of our life for the rest of our lives, at that moment of conversion, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residency and dwells within us so that we don't have to go someplace else to find God anymore, but the Holy Spirit is within every follower of Jesus Christ. It's one of those, those foundational truths of Christianity that we're so used to, but it is utterly glorious that we don't have to go searching for God. We can pay attention to the Holy Spirit within us. And um, listen to how Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in John chapters 14 through 16. And the setting here is that Jesus is in the upper room at the Last Supper, the Passover meal, um, right before he is, is led away and arrested and, and crucified. And Jesus is trying to fill in his disciples, trying to prepare them for what he knows is coming, but they haven't figured out yet. And so Jesus has this long conversation with his disciples in what's called the Upper Room Discourse. Listen to how Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit. Starting in John 14, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I still have many things to say to you, Jesus continues, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, 
and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I say, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I don't know whether you caught it there in those that kind of that monologue by Jesus with those references to the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said that it was more advantageous for him to leave and for us to receive the Holy Spirit than it would have been for, for us to have Jesus with us all the time. That's kind of mind-blowing. What could possibly better, be better than being with Jesus? Yet Jesus tells us that it's actually far better for us that we have the Holy Spirit within us than we would have if Jesus was with us. So for the, the bulk of this message, I'd like to give you a panoramic view of what the Holy Spirit dwelling inside the followers of Jesus makes available to us. Again, the premise of these messages is that the intractable problems of our broken humanity are so great that they need to be solved from beyond ourselves and that what we most desperately need right now in our lives and in our culture is for us to be renewed and refilled with the Holy Spirit of God, every follower of Jesus Christ. And as I share this panorama with you, um, I'm going to be a lot of screens and I'm going to share a number of scriptures with you. If you want to just take a picture of any of the screens that particularly speak to where you are right now. So let me share with you what we need and how the Holy Spirit brings us what we need. We need divine truth and wisdom in the half-truths and lies and confusion and outright fraud in our world and duplicity in our world, we need divine truth and wisdom that will set us free. In John 16, 14 and 15, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit of truth will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you the Holy Spirit of truth. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 and 10. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. We need divine truth and wisdom. And the Holy Spirit brings that to us. We need divine healing from the warping, twisting power of sin and brokenness. We need healing from our perfectionism, from our anger, from our pride, from our vanity, from our addiction to performance, from our en envy, from our incessant search for self-fulfillment, from our stinginess, from our fears, from our cowardice, from our addictions. We need divine healing. We need divine healing from our numbing, narcoticizing, from our self-sufficiency, and from our complacency to engage in the daunting problems in our own lives and in our culture. We need divine healing 
from the warping power of sin. Romans 8, verse 2. Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We need divine healing from our sins. The Holy Spirit sets us free from our sins. We need divine comfort especially in the turmoil that is inside of so many of us and the next news cycle could even make it worse. We need divine comfort. A lot of us are angry and anxious and for some very good reasons, we need divine comfort. All those verses I just read to you a moment ago that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in John 14 to 16, in those verses, Whenever Jesus used the word helper, the Greek word is paraclete, and it means advocate or comforter, the one who comes alongside us. We need divine comfort. And the Holy Spirit is the means by which we receive from the God of compassion and the God of all comfort. The Holy Spirit mediates to us the comfort of God. We need divine courage to overcome our fears. A lot of us have been afraid for ourselves and many of us even more for others like our elders. Second Timothy 1.7 For the Spirit of God, excuse me, for the Spirit God gave does not make us slaves again to fear, but gives us power, love, and a sound mind. The Holy Spirit is the one who can release us from the fears that bind us because the Holy Spirit gives us a spirit of power and love and a, of a sound mind to be able to figure out what's going on in the world. We need divine resilience that won't fail us when things get really, really tough. In John 7, 37 to 39, Jesus said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, John informs us, by this, Jesus meant the Spirit, whom those who believed were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Are you dry inside? Do you feel spiritually bankrupt and empty? The Holy Spirit within you can cause streams of living water to satisfy your thirst and to minister to the thirst of others. We need divine power to face what's happening in us and in our world and to boldly announce that Jesus still saves. Acts 1, 8. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit of God within you, when you are filled with the Spirit, he brings you divine power. We need divine hope 
to combat the hopelessness that is all around us and in many of our own hearts right now. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Romans 5, 5 says, hope does not disappoint us because God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Are you feeling hopeless? Ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit and your hope will be renewed. We need divine character, which is to say we need the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 has a long list of the sins of broken humanity that wreck lives like, like selfish ambition and sexual impurity and, and, and anger and jealousy and discord and envy and on the list goes. But right after the list of those sins of broken humanity, the Apostle Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. To accomplish the work of God for the care of the human race, we must nurture divine character within each of us through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Selfless love, enduring joy in every circumstance, living in the shalom of God that passes all understanding, patience that is proved in the terrible frustrations of life, kindness, especially to our enemies, powerful, unshakable goodness that makes the world a better place, faithfulness to God and to every human being created in the image of God, and self-control as a glorious grip on what is inside of us. To face the severity of our broken humanity, we need to model the new humanity with the character of the Holy Spirit nurtured within us. We need just two more. We need divine gifts and abilities. To make a, a divine difference in our broken world, we need the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us when we become followers of Christ. Because at conversion, at that moment when we become temples of the Holy Spirit, in that moment when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings a housewarming gift or gifts to us. The Holy Spirit gives every one of us unique, God-empowered, divine-empowered abilities. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and 7 say, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. The Holy Spirit has given you, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have confessed your sins and asked Jesus to be the leader of your life, the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit has given you divine abilities to accomplish the things that God wants to accomplish through you and only through you. And right now, the times are desperate enough. We need all the gifts of the Spirit. 
We don't need just some of the gifts of the Spirit. We need all of the gifts of the Spirit. So let us identify and develop and use the gifts that we have been given for such a time as this. And lastly here, many of us are weary and worn out. We need divine life to face our own brokenness and to face the brokenness in our world. We need divine life. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And Romans 8, verses 10 and 11 says, if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you, he will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit. All right, that's a panoramic view of what the Holy Spirit of God brings to us. There's far more. There's, in fact, there's a lifetime, a lifelong journey to be filled with the Spirit and to be anointed by the Spirit, to be compelled by the Spirit, to be controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to be in step with the Spirit, to sow, to please the Spirit, to be fit temples of the Holy Spirit, to be renewed by the Spirit, to not quench the Spirit, and to make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit. There is a lifetime, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, there is a lifetime to be continually being filled by the Holy Spirit. All of us which brings us to how. <coughs> how do we access all of the things that the Spirit of God within us has for us? And interestingly, this is the easiest part of the whole message because Jesus is completely clear on how we access the divine abilities, the divine power, the divine comfort, how we access all the things that the Holy Spirit has for us. In Luke 11, Jesus says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will the Heavenly Father, catch this, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. All that stuff that Jesus said about ask, seek, and knock is in reference to asking for the Holy Spirit 
to be given to us. In John chapter 3, Jesus told us that God gives the Spirit without limit. And in Titus chapter 3, verse 6, we're told that God pours out his Spirit generously through Christ. So brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit we so desperately need to face broken humanity and all of its consequences in this racialized and sexualized and fetishized and politicized and commercialized and, and radicalized and traumatized world, that Holy Spirit that we so desperately need is available for the asking. All we have to do is ask and seek and knock. So I'd like to propose and invite you each one of us to over these next eight weeks, we're journeying now from, from the resurrection to Pentecost. <coughs> I'd like to encourage, challenge, ask, implore each and every one of us to daily ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit and to perhaps every time we pray over the next eight weeks to ask for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us without limit and just see what happens when we ask and God gives us an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in generous and lavish ways. And so let's start the challenge right here at the conclusion of this message. That word or phrase, remember the one that you picked at the beginning of the message? Um, pull that back out. Um, and I'd like you to, to think about that word. And in just a moment, I'm going to open in a prayer. And I'm going to guide you through a couple segments of prayer. And I really, I, I urge you, Bring your, your new reality before the Holy Spirit in these moments. He knows where you are, so you're not shocking him. So bring the fullness and the wholeness and the truth of where you are to the Holy Spirit in this moment. So if you would, close your eyes now as we pray, and I'll prompt you. Father in heaven, we are all over the place as a congregation. And many of us are all over the place in our own souls. Jesus, would you give us the presence of the Holy Spirit right now in this moment to sit with us where we are in our current reality? Holy Spirit, come. And we're not trying to fix anything. We're not trying to solve anything. We just want to be with you. Holy Spirit, we want you to be with us in our reality right now. So in this moment, Holy Spirit, come. And now in this paused moment, bring your word to the Holy Spirit.
Holy Spirit, we may not even know what we need right now, but you are within us. We know that you know what we need. So in this next moment of silence, help us to not be distracted and let us sense whatever you want for us to sense right now in this moment of silence. And now, Father in heaven, as we've explored this panorama of all that your Spirit has for us, help us to cry out to you continually over these next weeks. Help us to cry out to you continually to be filled anew. Please give us your Spirit generously and without limit. And Father, don't let us just pray this for ourselves, but prompt and remind us every time we pray for the filling of your Spirit over us and in us, let us also pray for those we know and love. Let us pray for one another to be overflowing with the gifts, with the character, with the courage, with the power, with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Remind us that our broken humanity is not something that we can fix on our own. Remind us that we desperately need your Spirit. So we come to you asking and seeking and knocking. Come Holy Spirit and fill every part of our lives with your presence. We need you every hour. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.